Life has taught me that rich and poor are vague concepts that are, depend largely on a person's experience. I grew up in a trailer in Anchorage, Alaska. When you live in a trailer in a snowy climate, you hope that it snows a lot so that the snow will insulate the trailer skirt before it gets too cold. We knew every winter that it was inevitable that our pipes would freeze, but we kept the water running a trickle so that they wouldn't turn to solid ice. As water lines begin to freeze, the air in the ice causes water to shoot out in hissing pops so that it sounds like your plumbing is possessed. Psst, psst, psst. I hated the sound of running water for a long time because it took me back to those cold days in the trailer. In February one year, our furnace died and we didn't have the money to fix it. That's when I started sleeping in the living room because my bedroom was too small for the space heater. One of my abiding memories of that time is the wavy air in front of the open oven as my dad read his morning paper in front of it. My senior year of high school, the bathroom floor was so rotten that the toilet fell through. We didn't have money to fix it, so we used a mop bucket for a couple weeks. Back then, I thought we were middle class. In fact, we thought that we were middle class. One year, my dad's friend brought us a Thanksgiving box from the VFW, and my dad was actually upset with him. We don't need that, Larry. Take that to people who need the food. As I prepared for college, I never, ever considered applying for need-based scholarships, though I'm sure now that I would have qualified. At my high school, the rich kids were the ones who lived in stick-built houses. How many of you who live in regular houses feel like the rich kids? These days when I think of rich people, I think of Amazon owner Jeff Bezos or the Facebook guy or the Twitter guy or Oprah. Occasionally I chuckle at the thought of telling teenage Shanna that I live in a house now. On this side of things, I know I live comfortably, but I would not describe us as rich or well off. So when I read today's story, I put myself on the good side, the kingdom side. A man runs up and kneels before Jesus and asks what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus lists several commandments. The man sees himself on the right side too and says, yes, I've done that all my life. But Jesus says, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. I'm standing here on Jesus' side. Yeah, random rich dude, go sell your stuff and give it to the poor. Yeah, Jeff Bezos, sell Amazon and give away your riches. Well, actually, you know, I'd be happy to see him just give away a little bit of his riches. He could give quite a bit without noticing. When Bezos flew off into space like a cartoon villain with his own fancy rocket just for kicks a couple months ago, I piled on some hate. Can you believe this guy? 5.5 billion, billion with a B, to float weightlessly for about four minutes in suborbital space. And not just Bezos, Richard Branson has put $841 million into space travel, and Elon Musk comes in later with only 100 million. Can you imagine what you would do with that much money? I can't. 
Back in the midst of all the well-deserved trolling being piled onto Bezos, my friend Rebecca posted a reminder that most of us spend some of our money extravagantly on things that aren't efforts to end hunger and poverty. And suddenly I wondered if in fact I was standing on Jesus' side. Because I don't have Bezos money, but we aren't broke. Every day I drive past people living in tents in my 2019 hybrid. We live in a house that is in good repair, and next week we're even going on vacation as a family for the first time. If I am not standing next to Jesus, am I the rich guy? No, right? I'm not Bezos. But like so many scriptures, this story is more complicated than it seems. The rich man asks about inheriting the kingdom. Ched Myers, an activist theologian, notes that the word this man used is specifically the word for inheritance, as in land or money from family. So Myers writes, for him, eternal life, like property, must be inherited. In Jesus' time, the primary mechanism was acquiring land through debt default of the poor, Myers writes. Struggling farmers would take loans from large landowners, and when they fell behind, the landowners would foreclose and take the land. When these landowners died, they passed their land to their heirs, and the estate would keep growing. So when this man with many properties comes to Jesus asking to inherit eternal life, Jesus knows the unjust way that he has come to be so wealthy and understands that this man is asking to be passed eternal life without earning it. You hear it, right? The rich guy who has acquired his wealth unjustly. Like in our time, this might be a large company that puts small companies out of business by selling the same goods cheaper and delivering them in two days or forces small companies to sell on its platform in order to stay in business, but then copies their products and sells them under its own brand for less. Jeff Bezos and the Google guy, those guys, Jesus is talking about them, not us. Phew. <laughs> Who's waiting for an amen? <laughs> Except, Maybe there's something for us here, too. I want to read this and let myself off the hook. I'm not the rich guy. I have some. I need some. But what if Jesus isn't only talking about Jeff Bezos' wealth? What if he's talking about all the wealth accumulated in a system that requires people to be exploited? All the people unable to make a living wage. People like my mom, who worked so hard as a waitress the warehouse employees who must work overtime or lose their underpaying job, the retail folks who still need food stamps to survive, the overseas labor that gets me cheap goods, the clothes, shoes, and electronics that I could not afford if they were made justly through appropriate use of natural resources. What if Jesus was talking about that too? What if I'm not, in fact, standing on his side? There aren't easy answers here, right? I want this to be a story about Jeff Bezos and his immoral hoarding, but when I allow myself a moment to be vulnerable, I know that I am complicit in an unjust system and that my wealth has come at the expense of others. And that maybe even though I haven't won the lottery, 
I do have a small pile of money to give of. Jesus blesses the uncomfortable and pushes the comfortable. We do not live in a world of binary dichotomies of good or bad, eternal life or damnation. Most of us aren't rich or poor. We live on a spectrum, and all of us have something to offer those around us. And Archbishop Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. For those who have some to share or a lot to share, I'm looking at you, Jeff Bezos. Let us give of what we have and lean into relationship with one another and God. Let us be honest and realize how much we have and how we got it. There's a bumper sticker that says that I love, there's a bumper sticker that I love that says, Jesus is coming, look busy. (laughs) Let us be busy planting seeds of the kingdom so that when Jesus returns, the transformation has already begun. Amen.